to welcome our guests this morning, but I want, to, I want you to get ready. I want you to get revved up because we, we believe in honor in this place and we believe that whatever we honor and whoever we honor, we have access to and what they have uh, is available to us and whatever we dishonor really moves away from us. And so we, we believe that honor kind of fuels uh, the kingdom of God and we can have the things of God when we honor the things. And one of the things he's given us are prophetic voices into our lives, pastoral voices, people that encourage us. So just get ready in that vein. But I want to tell you, not I mean, we should always honor the, the person who's coming to share God's word, but I want to tell you why this man is worthy of a double honor. Uh, there are lots of pastors and ministers that I meet. A lot of people blow into Buffalo for just a couple days and they want to blow out. They want to blow in. They want to get some stuff. They want to blow out. Other ministers come to the region, and they're coming in to blow in and blow up. They want, it like, they want their ministry to explode while they're here. And I, you know what? There's nothing wrong with traveling ministry, and there's nothing wrong with God calling people to different places. But somehow, sometimes, you know, you meet people, and you're like, okay, this is a different meeting than the other people that I've met. There's something about this person that's in front of me where our hearts are connected by the same passions, by the same mission, by the same calling, some of you are nodding your heads. You know what that's like. Some of you, I've met you, and I'm like, hey, something's different here. Like, we're going to walk together for a time. And I want, I want you to know the man you're about to hear from is one of those men. He is different than other men that I've met. He understands kingdom. He understands authority. He understands the order of the kingdom, and he understands walking by the Spirit of God. And he is a, not only uh, willing to do that, he's willing to give his life for that. He's willing to give his life not only for that, but for Buffalo. And I believe that God has a call on his life for this region, that there is something that God is doing in him that is, going to be, that is significant already, but is going to be significant for this region. And that's why it's a joy for us to have him with, with us this morning. But I want to tell you one other reason why you can trust him. You can trust him because he knows food. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, you haven't been around here long enough. If I trust somebody with a food recommendation, like I, I, I get to get the privilege of, of eating with pastors all the time, and I try to be very gracious. Hey, man, listen, like, what are you eating? What do you like? And, you know, there's some guys that are like, hey, I just like classic American things. And if, listen, if chicken fingers are your jam, chicken fingers are your jam. Uh, no judgment, sort of. But, like, there's other people where you're like, hey, what do you want to eat? And they, like, got, they got things popping already, you know what I mean, in their heads. They're like, hey, this is where we should go. And here's how, how much I trust him. He's not even from Buffalo, and I'll get Buffalo food recommendations from him. He, he went public about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, that Buffalo pizza might be better than Brooklyn pizza. He was willing to suffer for the gospel of Buffalo pizza. That is, why you sh- that is one of the reasons why you should listen to him. But you should also listen to him because he has a heart not only for this region and not only for Buffalo Adult and Teen Challenge, not only for me, he has a heart for me, he speaks into my life, but he has a heart for this place. God has knitted our hearts together, and because of that, he's knitting the story of him and us together in this place. God is doing something unique in the earth through this man with us. And so you might not see him around, but you'll see him some more. It is a privilege for the second time now, because he preached in the early service, to welcome him not only to share, but to preach the word at New Covenant. Would you welcome, with everything that you got in you, Dave Benyak as he comes to share God's word with us this morning. Thank you. That's a, an amazing introduction. Thank you so much, Pastor Josh. Just to clear, clarify one thing that he said. I never said that Buffalo pizza was better than New York-style pizza. I said that you have to understand that Buffalo pizza and New York-style pizza are different. 
but it can be equally as good as New York pizza if you have the right mindset when you're getting ready to eat it. So that is what I said. There, are, there is some Buffalo pizza that I absolutely love. But when I go back, when I visit home, which I'm getting ready to do, um, headed to Long Island tomorrow, the first thing that I do is get a New York style pizza because there ain't nothing like it in all the world. Amen. Thank you for, for, for having me here this morning. We visit churches often at Teen Challenge, and I'm given the opportunity um, to present the ministry and also to preach, and, and I say quite often that it is an honor to stand behind different pulpits, but it is um, especially an honor to, to be asked to stand behind this pulpit today. I often think about what God has done in my life, what he has rescued me from, and the fact that he saw fit to use me as, as, a, as a voice piece of his gospel message, and it absolutely blows my mind. Um, for those of you who don't know, the reason why I've dedicated my life to the ministry of Teen Challenge and why I love doing what I do and why I'm so passionate about it is because I am a product of the ministry. I entered the doors in, in 2009, the doors of Long Island Teen Challenge, strung out on a, from a heroin addiction, um, 50 bags of dope a day. I have no reason to be standing here before you today. And, and God met me where I was at. And he's done a work in my life that is absolutely incredible. And the thing that I share the most is that if God has done it for me, he could do it for any other person. And it doesn't, amen. And it doesn't necessarily have to be freedom from drug addiction. It could be freedom from anything that keeps you from operating in the fullness of what God has for you and the enjoyment that he desires for you to live in. So, so my story goes, because I'm going to get to how Pastor Josh and I met. That's why I'm sort of rewinding my story. So Long Island Teen Challenge, set free, transformed, made the decision to serve in ministry, served on Long Island, went to Albany, serving on the ministry team in, in Albany. And then in 2017, I was asked by my leadership to go to Buffalo Teen Challenge. We were taking over the leadership of Buffalo and Syracuse Teen Challenge, and they asked me to go to Buffalo. And at first, I was like, well, all right. I was a little hesitant. I had a real, I had a real good in Albany. You know, I was the program supervisor, second in charge. I had my fiance there at the time. Things were going really good. But I was like, you know what? I believe that this is God using my leadership to to call me to walk in what it is that he's called me to walk in, so I'm going to go. And I came to Buffalo, it's, it's, just, it's just a little bit over three years, uh, February 17th of 2017. And I remember when I got here and I assessed the ministry, I sat down and I, and I had to really look at what it was that I was getting ready to do, and I was like, man, I wonder if I could go back to Albany. I, I got here, and, and everything, just fear, anxiety, just being afraid of really walking in what God had called me to walk in really started to, to kick in. And although I was afraid, I knew one thing. I knew that my hope needed to be in Jesus. I knew that if I placed my hope in Jesus, and as I walked in what he was calling me to walk in, that he was going to give me the strength that I need and to, to place me in positions and to bring me into encounters and into relationship with people that I needed to be in relationship with in order for me to, to look forward to calling Buffalo home. And he did that. I came here in February and March. I honestly think it might have been March 1st, which is today. I think, I think it might have been March 1st was the first time that I met Pastor Josh. 
Everyone in Buffalo was telling me, hey, listen, you got to go to a Covenant meeting. Covenant is a, a fellowship of, of churches and ministry leaders throughout western New York that get together every couple of months and just get fed and meet people and strike up relationship. And Pastor Jim Ruddy said, one of, he said, yo, listen, one of, that's not exactly how he said it. This is my little twist on it. He said, one of the guys that you need to meet in Buffalo is Pastor Josh Hamlin. So I said, okay. So I came up, and I, and I was introduced to him and his father, and we sat down talking, and he said, let's get together and go to lunch um, so you could share my heart, because that really was my desire. I didn't want to come into Buffalo talking about all great things that I was going to do. I simply wanted to get together and share my heart with people and build, and build relationship, and that's, where, and that's where really, like, mine and Pastor Josh's relationship kicked off. We went to lunch. I shared my heart with him. I heard his heart. And since then, our hearts have just, like he said, have been being knit together in Christ. And it's something so much deeper than, hey, listen, we support your ministry and you send guys to church. It's, I believe that I've been called to do life with Pastor Josh and so many other people that are here today. Pastor Josh's desire to see God's kingdom here on earth as, in, as it is in heaven is second to none. I've met a lot of people in ministry throughout the last 11 years that I've been serving, and his desire to see souls saved and set free, and then on top of that, his willingness to take people by the hand and disciple them is absolutely something that's amazing. So, so straight up, you guys got an awesome pastor. I don't know if you know that, but I'm here to tell you today that you got an awesome pastor. And I know that God is going to use New Covenant and Buffalo Adult and Teen Challenge, and everybody here, and the relationship that we have. And there are so many other people that are involved in that, too. My wife, who is in the first service, isn't here today because we're sleep training our six-month-old, and we didn't want her to miss her nap. Um, so far, so good, but continue to please pray for us. M my wife says that whenever she sees me, Pastor Josh, and Jake together, that, that her spirit, she just knows in her spirit that God is going to do something amazing in and through us in Buffalo, because I know that God is getting ready to do something amazing here in this city. There is a unity in the body of Christ in the city here that I have never experienced anywhere else that I've been, and I know that God is getting ready to explode here in this city, and it's an honor and privilege to be a part of that. I came to Buffalo from Long Island, but I love Buffalo, and my plan is, is to be wherever it is that God calls me for however long he calls me to be there. So I'm grateful for you. Pastor Josh, thank you for sowing into my life. Thank you for your, your friendship and, and for the partnership with ministry and allowing me and giving me the honor to stand behind this pulpit. Love you too, man. So one of the things that, that really helped me understand who God was and his love for me in the early stages of my walk was when people, men of God, that God had placed in my life began to show me that God is a God who is faithful in keeping his promises to each and every one of us. I, I know that when you read, when we read our Bibles, that we come across numerous passages of Scripture where God actually promises us stuff. He tells us things that he's going to do. He tells us that he has great hopes and plans and purposes for each and every one of us. He tells us a whole bunch of promises. Now, I understand that some of them are more near and dear to my heart than they might be to yours, but, but the truth is, is the Word of God is filled with amazing promises that God has given us, and the truth is, is those promises are meant to encourage us on our walk. 
And the way that we allow them to encourage us is by looking at who made us the promise, walking in that promise by faith and allowing God to do in our lives what he desires to do while we go through our process. I, the faithfulness of God is something that has absolutely blown my mind from the day that I got saved until the day that I stand before you now. I can't believe that God has chosen to use me in the capacity that he has Right, And he has proven himself faithful to me every step of the way. So today, I know that you've been working through, uh, Pastor Josh has been taking you through a series on love. And, and I believe that God's covenant commitment to us to keep his promises is one of the greatest expressions of his love for his people. So today, we're going to talk about the promises of God. I guess if, you had to, if I had to throw a title on here, we could call it Yes and Amen, or we could just call it Yes. You're going to hear a whole lot of that word because that's what God says to us each and every day when it comes to his promises. So if you have your Bibles with you, you could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. It's up on the screen for those of you who don't have your Bibles or iPads. Um, and I know that this is a familiar portion of Scripture, but it's one that has so much truth in it. The Word of the Lord says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That, it is, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Lord, what an honor and privilege it is to minister your word, Lord God. I'm grateful for this house, the leadership here, and the congregants of New Covenant. I pray for the next couple of moments that you'll simply use me as a mouthpiece to speak to your people the very thing that you would have them to hear today, Lord God. I pray that you'll send your spirit to turn up the hearts of those that are listening so that the seeds that are sown may fall on fertile ground and people will leave here today changed. They won't be the same as when they walked in. They'll be different. They'll be changed, Lord God, and this is all for your glory. We bless you and on you, and all God's people said, amen. So before I jump into the couple of promises and points that I want to speak about here this morning, I just want to rewind a little bit to, to paint a picture of what was going on in this portion of Scripture. According to verses 15 and 16, Paul had planned to visit Corinth twice. He was going to cross the Aegean Sea to Corinth on his way to Macedonia and then hit Corinth again on his way back. This was his plan, and the people of Corinth had heard about it. They were excited about the opportunity to spend time with Paul and his ministry team to, to be sown into, to be led, but then something happened that made them change their plans. And here at this point, Evidently, a rumor started to circulate that the Apostle Paul's heart was divided towards the people of Corinth. Yes, he loved them, and he loved the people, and wanted to see them and spend some time with them. But no, maybe not as much as he loved his own convenience or some other church. So here in this portion of Scripture, we're faced with a question. And the question is, was Paul's heart yes and no towards the people of Corinth? He answers passionately in verses 17 and 18. He says, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans like a worldly man ready to say yes and no at once? 
as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. So in other words, what he's saying is our planning and our preaching are not fickle. They're not double-minded. They are unified. They are yes to you. We, as your leadership, live for your good. We are not for you. We are, we are not against you. We are for you. Our life and ministry is a resounding yes. Yes to your joy. Yes to your holiness. Yes to your faith and hope and love and peace and power. And then in verse 19 and 20, he, he tells us why this is. Why he has made the decision to dedicate his heart and his life to the life of an apostle, to planting these churches, and to spreading the gospel, and to talking about Jesus Christ, and to encouraging people in their walks. He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we preached among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all of the promises of God find their yes in him. So what Paul is saying is my heart is not divided towards you because God's heart is not divided towards you. If you belong to Christ by faith, then everything good God could possibly give you for your good, he has signed over to your account in Christ Jesus. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, everything that he could ever give you for your good, he has given to you. He has signed over to your account in Jesus Christ. You've done nothing to earn it. You've done nothing to earn or merit the goodness of God. You have done nothing to earn or merit his faithfulness. He gives it to you because he chooses to do so. So I think it's safe to say, Pastor Josh, if there's nothing that we could do to earn it, then there's nothing that we can do that would ever keep God from giving it to us as we, desire, as, we, as we walk out this thing called life and we desire to honor him with our lives. You guys get that? I'm not saying that you could do whatever you want. That's not, what the, that's not what the message of grace is. The message of grace is as your heart's desire is to honor Jesus, when you fall short, he'll be there to pick you up. The same grace that was available in salvation is available for your sustenance every single day. And your only requirement is to have a desire to honor God and to pursue him all the days of your life. All the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. You hear the same answer at every point. Yes. Every sinner, this is an exchange that happens. Every sinner who comes to God in Christ with all of their needs finds God coming to him in Christ with all of his promises. When a sinful person meets a holy God in Christ, what he hears is, yes, do you love me? Yes. Will you forgive me? Yes. Will you accept me? Yes. Will you help me change? Yes. Will you give me power to serve you? Yes. Will you keep me? Yes. Will you show me your glory? Yes. All of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. Everything that you can ever run across in that Bible that tells you about the good things that he's going to do for you are yours. They're yours. Do you guys get what I'm saying here this morning? morning? Those are your promises. God's desire is to do amazing things in and through you. I, I tell the guys all the time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again, the only people who cannot say that God is faithful are people who haven't given God the opportunity to prove himself faithful to them. 
You guys get that? If you've ever, if you ever, if you ever can conjure up enough faith to give God the opportunity to prove himself faithful to you, he absolutely will without a shadow of a doubt. So take a step of faith today. If there is something that is going on in your life that, that you haven't completely entrusted to the care and concern of Jesus Christ, do so today. And allow God to prove himself faithful to you as he does for so many other believers. All of the promises of God come from his character. He's loving. He's good. He's holy. He never changes. And there's so much more. He always fulfills his promises to us, never once denying these promises for those who believe in Jesus Christ. So now that... Now that we've spoken about what was going on here in this portion of Scripture and how Paul's heart was towards the people of Corinth because he understand that God's heart was towards them and that in Jesus Christ, his answer to all of his promises are yes and amen. I want to talk about 15 promises that God makes us in his word that we could stand firm upon. I couldn't do it in the first service because we had to be done by a certain time, but you guys are in for it because we have all afternoon, right? I'm just kidding. Three promises I want to talk about that we find here in this portion of Scripture. I know my Russian buddies, they were like, yeah, it would still be earlier over in Russian church, right? Right, boys? It's all right. Love you guys. There are also guys that, a little bit of a tangent here because we're about honor, right? Um, th- these are also guys, m- my friends that I've met through Jake and through my hockey league. Uh, it's, a, it's a group of Russian guys um, that are my friends that I believe God has called me to do life with. You guys, I want you to know that you are all a part of God confirming my call to the city of Buffalo. I know that if it wasn't for the fact that he saw fit to put you guys in my life, that I wouldn't feel as comfortable and as excited about serving in this city as I do. So I love you guys, all right? Let's give it up for them, my buddies. That's what happens when you give somebody with ADHD a microphone. They see things and they just start talking about it. That's why my notes are so thorough, because if I didn't have my notes, I would be talking about my end of my sermon at the beginning, and then I wouldn't have anything to say at the end, and we would just stand here and stare at each other. So I'm happy that uh, I have notes. So the first promise that we pull out of this portion of Scripture in verse 22 is God's promise to establish us. As men and women of God, our establishment is rooted and grounded in the finished work of Jesus Christ and no one else. In Christ, God promises to make us strong, complete, and equipped to follow him. It's being established by God that gives us the ability to persevere. In a nutshell, perseverance is the ability to do something despite difficulty or delay in achieving it. So what perseverance is, I know it's a word that we hear of often and we read often in our Bibles, but what perseverance is, is seeing something as you walk through life and knowing that it's hard and difficult and it's not going to be easy to walk through and standing there and saying, God, I know that you're at work in the midst of this difficult situation, so I'm going to trust in you to do in my life what you desire to do through because that's one of the greatest promises of God. When we look at the scripture that God works all things together for our good, that means all things. That just doesn't mean things that seem good. That doesn't mean things that aren't painful. That means everything that we encounter in the course of our life, God will use for the good. Amen? And that's what perseverance is. It's understanding what that scripture genuinely means and taking God at his promise. 
It's the ability to look at difficult situations and to know that deep down inside, God is at work in the midst of them and that we need to trust in him as his people. We're called to trust in him to get us through even when there seems to be no hope. And here's the kicker about perseverance is you can't sit here Indian style and ask God to give you the ability to persevere without a willingness to to walk in it. When we make a decision to persevere, God then gives us the ability to do so. So it's like Peter, when he walked on water, when Jesus called Peter out of the boat, Peter would have never known that he could walk on water if he didn't take the same the first step. And it's the same with us. We don't know that God will sustain us and carry us through and use calamity for our good unless we take a step of faith and trust him in the midst of that process. And then what happens is, is he begins to show us, yeah, this might be uncomfortable, this might be hard for you to understand, you might not know why you've been called to do what you do, but be of good cheer because God is doing the work in your day that you wouldn't believe it even if he told you, the, the prophet Habakkuk says. So be of good cheer and be encouraged that in the midst of your struggle that God is going to do a work in your life that compares to nothing that he's done before, Amen. So God promises to establish us, and then in verse 22, we also read that he promises to anoint us. To be anointed, to be anointed means to be set apart and gifted by God for his calling. It was symbolized, a lot of people have seen it before, I got the oil right there next to you, right? It's symbolized by the anointing of oil in the Old Testament, we still do it in churches today. And what this symbolized in the Old Testament was God's rich provision upon someone's life. And this is what the Holy Spirit does to believers. The Holy Spirit sets apart believers and empowers them for the service of gospel proclamation and for ministry. And this is the coolest thing about the anointing of God. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So long story short, God chooses things that you would never think that he would choose to do amazing things in this world. It's not about giftings and talents that we have, and it's not about being smart or strong. It's about being willing to be a vessel that God can use to see his kingdom come here on earth, right? Right. Seth said that the scripture that he stands on is the one in Isaiah where the prophet said, here I am, send me. And when we come to Jesus, everybody comes to Jesus with an agenda, It's true. Everyone comes to Jesus with an agenda. My agenda was I didn't want to use drugs and alcohol no more. And my mom said, hey, there's this Jesus guy. Well, her whole life she told me, but Jesus can fill that hole in your heart, and he could do amazing things in your life. When I came to Christ, I didn't come with a desire to serve Jesus, literally serve him, and to be the director of Buffalo Teen Challenge. That wasn't my heart's desire. But I realized something as I walked one foot in front of the other, that God saved me so he could use me. And praise be to God, because I was used by so many other terrible things, and I lived a life that was far from God. And that's why I've made a decision to honor God with my life, is because I know where it is that I would be if it wasn't for the fact that he saw fit to save me. 
And that's what the calling is. There's an old saying in ministry, and I wasn't going to say it out of fear of just sounding real basic, but I, I think that there's so much truth in this saying. It says, God doesn't call and anoint the equipped. He equips the called so that they can walk in what he's called to do. And that's what Christianity is all about. It's not just about being saved. It's about genuinely being used for kingdomly purposes. We aren't just saved so we could go to church and sit in a pew. We're saved so we could be used by God to further his kingdom. And then here's the truth. There is no greater joy than looking back and examining your life and knowing that God used you in the life of somebody else. There's nothing greater than that. You ask any person why they do what they do in ministry, they'll tell you two things, because they believe they've been called by God to do it, and because the harvest, witnessing the harvest of lives changed and transformed is comparative to nothing that you could do for soul satisfaction. It's amazing. Is it hard work? Yes. Is there a lot of work in taking someone by the hand and teaching them to follow Jesus without a shadow of a doubt, but it's worth it? It's worth it. And that's what the anointing of God is all about. And it's the anointing of God that gives us the ability to do that very thing. My, my final promise that I want to talk to you out of this portion of Scripture is God's promise to seal us. At the end of verse 22, we read that God has put his seal on us and has given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. What this process of being sealed by the Holy Spirit, what the Apostle Paul is referencing, is an old ancient practice that was used by kings and rulers in antiquity. And what they would do is when they were getting ready to send a correspondence, like a letter or instruction to somebody else on the receiving end, is they would put, uh, they would melt some wax on the document or the envelope. If they had envelopes back then, I don't know, maybe there's a chance they did. They would melt wax on it, and then they wore these big old fat signet rings. And the signet ring, what they would do is they would melt the, sta the, the, the wax and then stamp it with their ring. And what that ring would do was tell the person who's receiving the letter that it's absolutely from the person who sent it. So if Pastor Josh was getting ready to send something to Jake, right, he would have his messenger come and say, hey, take this to Jake. Then, I don't know, maybe you have a candle burning on your desk or something real cool, and you would pour it on there, and then you would take your ring and stamp it. And when Jake would get it, he'd be like, oh, okay, I know that this is for sure from Pastor Josh. It, it showed that the document was authentic. And this is the same thing that the Spirit of God does to us as his children and as his believers. It's the same thing. He puts his Spirit in us to show us and to show other people that we are absolutely children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And as children of God, when we come into contact with other people, there should be different that sets us apart. We, people should be able to tell that we are Christians by the way that we act, the manner in which we conduct ourselves, and that's all made available by the power of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is sent to dwell in believers in order to confirm and secure our sonship in Christ. The same way the wax stamp bore witness that the document was legit is the same way the Spirit of God wears witness with, uh, bears witness with our spirits that we are indeed children of God clothed in sonship with Jesus Christ. So what does this mean, all of this, the, these three points? What does it mean? How can I be firm in my faith in such an unstable world? And the truth is, as you examine your lives and you go through the course of your day, everything in your life may seem just flat out unstable. 
our health, our family, our job, our education, our society, our world. And at any of these levels, you may feel as if you're out on a ledge 40 stories up in an unpredictable wind. You feel yourself losing balance and falling, and every brick you grab at pulls out of its mortar. But then God, by his spirit, that spirit, the same spirit that rose, raised Christ from the dead, that same spirit that he has placed in you as believers, begins to whisper something into our ears. He says, my great desire for you is to feel secure in my love. I have chosen you before the foundation of the world was laid. You are my child forever. I have redeemed you by the blood of my son, and I have put my spirit in you as a guarantee. Therefore, you will receive the inheritance that I have provided for you in Christ Jesus. There's no ifs, ends, or buts. It's God who sustains us, and you will receive the inheritance that he has promised to you in Christ Jesus. Amen? So what I'm going to encourage everyone to do here today is something simple. It's as you work your way through the Word of God, whether it's in your devotional time, whenever it is that you sit down to read the Word of God, when you hear Pastor Josh preach about promises that God has made you, I want you to begin to really start thinking about how you can apply those promises that you hear to your everyday life. And as you think about them, think about the goodness of God. And how God's promise to you in each and every season of your life is yes and amen to everything that he's ever promised you. We talked about it before service that one thing that I don't do when I visit churches in an altar call, but I felt led to do it in the first service, and I'm going to do it again now. So if the worship team, I'm getting ready to close, if the worship team could come up, I want to... I want to ask a couple of challenging questions here this morning. And I want everybody here to take a moment to examine their hearts. And and I don't want it to be, hey, listen, take a moment to examine your heart. You look down at the ground and you lift your eyes back up and you're like, yeah, I did it. I, I want you to take time to genuinely examine your heart as I ask these three questions and see if God is... God desires to do something. Question one is as we look at the promises of God and his willingness to say yes to us as believers, are we willing to say yes to him and his call with the same sincerity? So we know that God is serious about keeping his promises to us. And when he tells us that he's going to do something for us, he's sincere about that. There's no one that you've ever come into contact with your whole entire life that's as good as keeping a promise as God is. So, so as you contemplate that, and you contemplate the goodness of God, are you willing to respond to yes and his call with the same sincerity that he responds to you? Question two, have you said yes and amen to all of the promises of God? And then three, which I think is the most important one, Are you living in the fullest enjoyment of God's yes to you? Are you living in the fullest enjoyment of God's yes to you? I know better than anyone else, as someone who's served in full-time ministry for the last 11 years, that ministry can be demanding. And that sometimes I ask why I do what I do. and And I know that I'm no different than anyone else here. But the truth is that serving God... 
and pursuing his heart should be something that gets us absolutely excited and we should experience the fullness of joy when we're living in the presence of God. So as you think about these questions, I just want to invite you that if you don't believe that you've been living in the fullest enjoyment of God's yes to you, if you, want to, if you have the desire to be as sincere to God in what he's calling to you, to, uh, what he's calling you to do as he is to you, I just want to, I just want to ask you guys to, to come up and, and come to the altar for a time of worship so that some of the leadership team here can pray for you because there is nothing greater in this world that you can do than pursue Jesus all the days of your life and live in the full enjoyment of the promises that he's made to you. Thank you, Dave, for that powerful word. Let's just take a minute because these, these questions are worth answering. And there's no better place to answer them than in the presence of God, having been washed with the word of God and encouraged by what he has to say. If our prayer team would come Are you willing to respond to God with the same sincerity that he responds to you, that he has come to you? That, re- that really these promises are legitimate, powerful, for you promises. These are not just flyover things, not just things that Christians throw out there, but that God really does want to do this in you. And are you, are you really saying yes and amen to all those promises. It's, it's one thing for God to come and say yes, but the key this morning, the key to, to this becoming reality in our lives is adding our amen. Your amen matters. Your yes with God matters this morning. And are you living in the full enjoyment of these promises? And so if you're understanding the promises, but you don't see them being fulfilled in your life, this is a chance, an opportunity, a a divine setup for you to say yes to him again, to walk with him again, to say, God, I'm going to trust you that maybe what you spoke to me 10 years ago, and I'm still wondering if it's true, I'm going to say yes to that again. For my life, for my marriage, for my family, for my children, for my job for salvation for the people that I know, for freedom in your own life maybe. This is not an altar call for shame. This is an altar call to respond to the promises of God, to literally with our, with our physical being and who we are say yes to who God is and what he wants to accomplish in us this morning. And for every believer, it's an opportunity for the advancement of God in our life. So I want to ask you if everybody would just stand right now. 
If you want to meet God with the same sincerity over his promises, I want you to come out of your seats and, and say, God, I'm done kind of halfway in, halfway out. I'm going all the way. I'm believing everything that you said. What you say is true for me. I trust you in it, and I'm coming after you for those promises. If you're here this morning and you want to say yes and amen to his promises, maybe there's some stuff you've been like, okay, that's for somebody else, but today God is, is saying to you and you're willing to respond to him, I'm going to add my amen to it. I'm going to agree with you, God. I'm going to literally repent of saying no. I'm going to say yes to what it is that you have for my life. Maybe you've been running from the call of God in your life because you're afraid of what it's going to look like. You're willing to say, God, I'm going to say, I'm going to put my amen on this stamp. I don't know what it's going to look like. I can't figure it all out, but I trust you, God, that your promises are good, and so I'm going to add my amen to it. Is there anybody here that's willing to come up? Come out of your seats right now and say yes. You're adding your amen to God's yes already for you. Stepping out into a new area. Trusting Him again. Or maybe you're here and you haven't lived in the full enjoyment of these promises. Like a little bit. It's kind of a functional relationship, but it's not everything you think it should be. It's not everything God said it should be. And you're like, I'm just done with this mediocre thing. I want to experience the fullness of God's promise of his presence in my life. And you're willing, you're willing to admit it. You're willing to say, God, I haven't experienced the fullness of it, but I know that it's for me. Would you step out of your seat? Would you, would you press in? Listen, if you've responded to this altar call, would you just come right here into the middle? Would you forsake whatever possible shame you might feel about this. There's no shame in coming to Jesus. Absolutely no shame. None whatsoever. That's, that's a construct of the enemy that we've bought into the lie of. This place of the altar, this place of pursuing Jesus is never shameful. Ever. Ever. Amen. Maybe for some of you this morning, it's literally the shame that's keeping you from the promise of God. Today's the day to kick shame in the, in the teeth. Say, I don't care. I'm just going after Jesus for all of his promises. Prayer team, would you just start to kind of intersperse among these folks and just start laying hands on them, start praying for them? Thank you, God. God, we're so grateful for your promises. My assumption is this. If you're still standing back there and you're not here, you're, you're running from God's promises, right? You're afraid to, to trust him with those, or you're fully experiencing the joy of the Lord. So what's the response to that? If you're running, just join us. Just join us. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's tell him that we love him. Let's declare his promises over our lives. Let's enjoy the fulfillment of his promise of his spirit among us as we respond to his word, as we respond to his goodness as he sings over us and we sing back to him. Let's sing to the Lord. Faithful. One last challenge this morning, and this is what it is. If you don't currently have a promise of God that you are waiting on him to fulfill, and when I mean waiting on him, not like, okay, God, when are you going to do it, but like seeking him, saying, God, this is the next step in my life for your kingdom to advance. This is the next person I'm asking for you to bring into your kingdom. 
This is the next challenge that, that you promised you would see me through. If you don't have one of those right now, the Lord is asking you to find one. Search out one of his promises. And, it, and he, he, I think his plan is until he returns to fulfill that last promise, that until he returns, there's always the next promise that we're standing on. There's always the next place that we're trusting him by faith to advance his kingdom in our lives and the lives of those around us. And so if you don't have a promise that you're trusting him for and waiting on right now, his challenge to each one of us is to lay hold of one of those promises. Find out what, he is, what it is he wants to do in your life and, and say, God, show me what that looks like. Help me to walk in it. Isn't it great that he's so faithful? He's so faithful to fulfill his promises. We're going we're gonna to close our service right now, but I want to say this. As God is faithful to fulfill his promises, one of the greatest ways he does that is by putting us into a family into a church family. And I want to welcome each person that's here this morning that if you, and say this, if you don't have a home church, if you have a home church, you're just a guest with us this morning, great. We're glad you're here. We're celebrating that you're here. You should go home to your home church and plug in there. But if you do not have a home church, I want to challenge you that this can be the place that God will show himself faithful to you. Maybe you've been walking for years and you're like, I don't know what that looks like. Today he's saying, welcome home. And I want to encourage you, come back next week and see how he'll be faithful. Come back the week after this and see how he'll be faithful. Join a small group and see how he'll be faithful to your life. We are glad that you're here. We want to serve God's faithfulness to you as a church home if you don't have one. The ushers are going to be back in the back for giving.